reflection in the steel, no matter the weather or time of day. He asked for Z what it cost, a buggy like this, and for Z idly fondled the gray upholstery as his driver pulled onto Atlantic Avenue. More than you, Mr. Ruth, he said, and handed Ruth the flask. The inscription etched into the pewter read, Ruth, G.H., Chester, Pennsylvania, 7118 to 7718. He fingered it now and took another swig, and the greasy odor of cow's blood mixed with the metallic smell of factory towns and warm train tracks. I am Babe Ruth, he wanted to shout off the train, and when I'm not drunk and alone at the back of a caboose, I am someone to be reckoned with. A cog in the wheel, yes, and you bet I know it, but a diamond-crusted cog, the cog of cogs. Someday... Ruth raised his flask and toasted Harry Frizee and all the Harry Frizees of the world with a string of lewd epithets and a bright smile. Then he took a swig, and it went to his eyelids and tugged them downward. I'm going to sleep, you old whore, Ruth whispered to the night, to the skyline, to the smell of butchered meat, to the dark Midwestern fields that lay ahead, to every ashen mill town between here and Governor's Square, to the smoky, starless sky. He stumbled into the stateroom he shared with Jones, Scott, and McInnes, and when he woke at six in the morning, still fully clothed, he was in Ohio. He ate breakfast in the dining car and drank two pots of coffee and watched the smoke pour from the stacks in the foundries and steel mills that squatted in the Black Hills. His head ached, and he added a couple of drops from his flask to his coffee cup, and his head didn't ache any more. He played canasta for a while with Everett Scott, and then the train made a long stop in Summerford, another mill town, and they stretched their legs in a field just beyond the station, and that's when he first heard of a strike. It was Harry Hooper, the Sox team captain and right fielder, and second baseman Dave Sheen talking to the Cubs left fielder Leslie Mann and catcher Bill Killifer. McGinnis said the four of them had been thick as thieves the whole trip. About what? Ruth said, not really sure he cared. Don't know, Stuffy said. Muffing flies for a price, you think? Tanking? Hooper crossed the field to them. We're going to strike, boys. Stuffy McInnes said, You're drunk. Hooper shook his head. They're fucking us, boys. Who? The commission. Who do you think? Heidler, Herman, Johnson. Them. Stuffy McInnes sprinkled tobacco into a slip of rolling paper and gave the paper a delicate lick as he twisted the ends. How so? Stuffy lit his cigarette, and Ruth took a sip from his flask and looked across the field at a small fringe of trees under the blue sky. They changed the gate distribution of the series, the percentage of receipts. They did it last winter, but they didn't tell us till now. Wait, McInnes said. We get 60% of the first four gates. Harry Hooper shook his head, and Ruth could feel his attention begin to wander. He noticed telegraph lines stretched at the edge of the field, and he wondered if you could hear them hum if you got close enough. Gate receipts, distribution. Ruth wanted another plate of eggs, some more bacon. Harry said, We used to get 60%. Now we get 55. Attendance is down. 
the war, you know. And it's our patriotic duty to take five percent less. McGinnis shrugged. Then it's our... Then we forfeit forty percent of that to Cleveland, Washington, and Chicago. For what? Stuffy said. Kicking their asses to second, third, and fourth? Then, then another ten percent to war charities. You seeing this now? Stuffy scowled. He looked ready to kick someone. Someone small he could really get his leg into. Babe threw his hat in the air and caught it behind his back. He picked up a rock and threw it at the sky. He threw his hat again. It'll all work out, he said. Hooper looked at him. What? Whatever it is, Babe said. We'll make it back. Stuffy said. How, Jidge? You tell me that. How? Somehow.